Welcome to From the Producer's Office, a series of informal podcasts with Opera Holland Park's Director of Opera, James Clutton. In conversation with creatives and collaborators, we explore the process of putting opera on stage and how the artists involved approach their craft. Hello, welcome to From the Producer's Office. I'm James Clutton, Director of Opera, Opera Holland Park. Uh, it's from the producer's home office at the moment. We're in May 2020 and we're in the middle of lockdown still, so uh, we're producing from home. Uh, I've got with me two guests today. Well, I've got with me on Zoom two guests today that are great friends of mine that go back a long way with me and the Opera Holland Park. And they are Sandy Magnuson, broadcaster, writer and founder of the charity Playlist for Life, and Andy Lowndes. How are you both? Yeah, very well in lockdown, but um, yeah, surviving at the moment. Very good. And Sally? Yes, I'm fine too. I'm, I'm sitting in my, my little so-called writing room um, where uh, I have spectacularly failed to write anything for the last few weeks in lockdown, which is not the way it was supposed to be. But no. uh, everybody's well, that's the main thing. It is difficult though, isn't it, Sally, when, you know, because I, you know, I run an opera company and, um, and I've been saying to a lot of people that I didn't realise how busy it would be unproducing the season as it is producing. You know, we've had to cancel the season and it's been incredibly busy. But sometimes you're, also your mind's just not in creative stuff, is it? It's very difficult to sit and create. Did you, have you been finding that? I have been finding that and I think actually a lot of um, writers and artists more, more broadly are finding, finding that because, I don't know, your, your, your mind at the moment is having to range across all these sort of strange, strange um, territories that, mm -hmm. that, that we're all in just now mm -hmm. and taking it imaginatively somewhere else and, and sticking to that for any, any kind of length of time, I think people are, are, are finding hard. I'm also finding it hard in a nice way because lockdown for me has, has meant a number of my kids coming back to stay with us, with right. their partners. Yeah. So we have, um, we've kind of reverted to this uh, um, almost teenage situation we had a few years ago where the house was just uh, heaving with people with damp towels on the floor with, um, you know, dirty dishes around the sink <laughs> with, uh, with noise and mess. And, and um, it's mostly wonderful, but uh, just try and do anything in the middle of that, you know, <laughs> anything yeah. sort of remotely uh, creative, you, you know, you're stuck. I think there is a lot of that around, but um, but let, let's start right at the beginning. That's a very good place to start. Um, Sally, um, you founded this uh, charity, this wonderful charity. I was just saying to you before we started recording that uh, one of my favourite charities we've been connected with for a long time now, you founded Playlist for Life. Could you just tell us briefly what is Playlist for Life? Playlist for Life is uh, a charity devoted to getting the word out in the first place and and uh, helping to make it happen in the second um, that music especially the personal music that's been part of the soundtrack to somebody's life is uh, uniquely helpful in dealing with conditions like dementia mm -hmm. uh, actually it's helpful for a lot of other conditions as well but this is uh, dementia is something that playlist for life has, has focused on Mm. Um, it's, it's based on um, personal experience, but also on a growing scientific understanding of the physiological benefits and mm. neurological benefits mm. of, of music, particularly helpful 
with an illness like dementia, which, which uh, strips the brain actually of all sorts of connections and, and, and synapses that, that are, are, are important for well-being and that music seems to be able to, to make its way past. And, and this starts because you wrote an incredibly emotional, uh, uh, incredibly deep and um, moving book called Where Memories Go, which told your old story, your own story of, with your mother. And is that immediately what kicked off this train of thought to start this charity up? Yes, it is. I helped with my, with my sisters to, to look after my mother in her, her fairly long dementia journey, which as many people will know, um, uh, intensifies as the years go on and makes, ultimately makes all forms of, of um, sort of normal communication and normal life difficult. And what we, what we found by accident really was that, that singing with my mother was the, the thing that more and more uh, kept us connected to her. We, we um, have always been a singing sort of family, not in the way that you sing, I may say, or, you, you know, uh, we're, we're not talking opera here. Sing, Valley, <laughs> At all. We in the way that people <laughs> employ sing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're, we're talking, you know, Hogmanay sing-alongs, and, and, you know, my mother was always, you know, she, she knew all the old songs from the 30s and the old Scottish ballads and hymns and great sort of, uh, sort of store of music that we we learned over the years as well, and we we found that in the in the years, especially towards the 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 end of uh, her life, um, when everything was 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 frightening for her and difficult for us as well, um, that singing with her a song that we knew would just cheer her up. We knew that if you sang, you can't shove your granny off a bus in the middle of anything. She would uh, stop sort of obsessing about whatever she was finding difficult, join in, enjoy it, and we would be able to move on then. And uh, so, I mean, there's a, there's a long story involved in that. But, but after she died, uh, when, when music by the end had just become almost everything to us, mm. I thought just a minute, you know, nobody told us that music could help. We stumbled on this. How many families could benefit mm. if somebody just pointed out to them that music might be able to help them as well? And it was as simple as that. And Playlist for Life has evolved all, you know, in all sorts of different ways since then about fight, helping people to find the music that, that's mattered to them. But it, it came from, can, we can tell other families, and Andy got involved right at the beginning because I, I um, sought out Andy because he had expertise in, in, um, in dementia and in nursing. And he's the one who said to me when I was saying, you know, what, you know, what should we do about this? I, I said to him, Andy, could you, could you maybe do me some research? Yeah. Could you go and do a research project at the university and find out? And, and he said, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. Let's yeah. just go and try it with people. Well, people indeed, and it's been, it's been doing an amazing job. Andy, that, I was going to ask you next anyway, how, how did you first hear about it? But Sally said that. But So what, what happened then? What did you first do after Sally had spoken to you? How did you start trying to put um, some meat on this idea? 
Well, actually, what happened was uh, Sally ambushed me. I think that's the way I would describe it. She invited me for a cup of coffee and a bit of lunch and told me the story about her mum. And um, I, I got it straight away because uh, having been a nurse in, in clinical settings and in care home settings, I'd seen it happening, but not really given it the value that I, I do now and did very quickly. And so I, I, I was just able to, to connect Sally and myself with some of the care homes and uh, hospitals that I'd worked in and had uh, lots of connections with people who um, were, were persuaded by us just to let us come in and meet some families, um, meet some people living with dementia and, and, and see if it went beyond just what had happened with, with yeah. me, Sally's mum. Yeah. Very quickly, we, we um, found that it, it did exactly that. It, it helped loved ones to connect again. It helped people living with dementia to be at peace for a while, to be having those moments of joy and happiness again, and finding skills that seemed to be lost, like communication and yeah. um, connection, that, that, that simple things such as the soundtrack to their lives enabled them to connect again. And, and once we saw that with the first few families that Sally and I worked with, we said, we, we've got to do something about this now. And we hadn't even thought about a charity really at that mm -hmm. point. We, but we'd done this sort of proof of concept work. Mm -hmm. um, but that led on to... Um, me and Sally running all over the United Kingdom, basically. Sally was doing the book tour um, with uh, Where Memories Go. And every time she spoke, she spoke about Playlists for Life as well. Um, and that meant that people were coming to us and saying, come and speak to us, come and speak to us. Okay. And, and I think that's really how we connected with, with Opera Holland Park as well at the beginning. I think, I think it is. But I think also with, I was going to say, because it's such a brilliant idea, but it's also, um, you know, what they call elevator pitch, isn't it? The elevator pitch, you get it immediately. It's not a big explanation needed for you to explain it to people. And then uh, we all know, because we all also know that we can hear a song in a, in a shop or or in the radio that takes us back ourselves to a particular time very, very quickly. So, you, you know, in some ways, of course it would happen, but it's having that brainwave, that light bulb moment to think, oh, that's going to help people in a, in a different way. I mean, I first heard about it because um, my wife, whose, whose mother was in a care home at the time, darling Kate, was um, with dementia, and she uh, and Angela had read a, a review of Sally's book in The Guardian and was in tears and then she phoned me and i was in tears and then because it's the nature of how you can get older people i managed to track sally down so within an hour of angela hearing about this book sally and i were talking and saying can we do something together because it just felt like we can we can help achieve that you know with certain people particularly live in our case as an opera company we can do some stuff we can do some stuff live but sally when you were doing the book tour and then talking about this and, and ever since have you had just waves of people always wanting to talk to you about their families and dementia now as well because they see you as someone that that would understand them yes yes and and uh, that was that was immensely um gratifying because i because i wrote the book really to help other families who were in the same position as mine had been not to feel so alone it was about uh, you know because i was laying some some quite sort of private and and honest things before before the public and i was doing it in a uh you know i had to bring my siblings on board 
uh, and, and say, look, it, it, is this all right to, to do this? But I, I just feel I need to reach out to other people at this point. And because it's, you know, dementia is such a lonely thing to be, to be dealing with. And to discover that the book, and it still, though it's been out now since 2014, I still get letters or emails from people who have just discovered it. Um, and to find that it that it it did what I set out to do, it connected with people, um, mm. has been has been immensely uh, just just heartwarming and, and and affirming to me. And playlist for life is 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 part of that because it's it's part of being able to offer something of my own experience, mm. um, but but with. Um, with the added, uh, you know, sort of advantage of, of of saying, here is what here here is something that you can do. Here is something positive to come out of it. It's not just that we're all in this together. It's you know, here's what you can go on and do. And and it's been it's been wonderful. And you were you know you were one of the first people, James, just to to get in touch and and not just say, hey, this is a this is a great idea, but hey, this is a great idea and we can do something about it together. And, and that was tremendous. I mean, Andy, Andy and I were, were just so um, thrilled at that. I, I remember at the time, you know, being so impressed and sort of flattered in a way that that you had, you know, you thought it was worth throwing your energies and your... It's just, it just an amazing thing. We're still very proud of it now, but... Um, Andy, I know you can't go into the whole details because it takes a long time, but you just give an idea of what you do when you when you go in either training people or you talk to people's families to get the idea, just so that anyone listening could have a, a, a sort of general idea about what you do with this. Okay, so I, I think quickly, first thing to say is that around about two thirds of people who are living with dementia in the UK are living at home, being cared for by loved ones or family, friends and so on. Mm -hmm. So there's really two sort of audiences there. There's getting this message about the simplicity of the idea to families that if you sit down at the, the you know the, the kitchen table on a friday night with a bottle of lemonade and talk to your loved ones about the music and to get that music and the associated autobiographical stories together mm -hmm. amazing things can happen that can continue right to the end of a dementia journey mm -hmm. but there's also the, those that, that 370,000 or whatever people who are living in care homes and in hospitals who perhaps don't have the access to their loved ones as much as... So, so the people who are doing the caring, the paid carers, the nurses, the healthcare staff and social care staff needed to know about the power of this and the possibilities of this. Mm. So that led to us to develop training packages that, that meant that we could go to care homes. Now, obviously, that's challenged at the moment with social yeah. distancing and so on. So we're having to be really creative about how we get that message and that training uh, so things like webinars are beginning to be developed and we're beginning to get that out to people and so it's, it's, it's forced us to be a bit more creative than just that face-to-face -face stuff so all of that material we, we we tend to give away anyway through the website there's you know we, we we're not looking to make a business out of this we're looking to get the message out and the, the the tips and the hints about how you can create a, a meaningful playlist that has stories behind it where conversations can happen but simply though where joy can come back into your life again with something simple like music because on your website both of you there's some incredible films of of people um, responding to music and just really life-affirming things and of course there's so many of those happen when the cameras aren't there as well you know there's all these things and and i think as sally says in her book just moments even single moments of 
of joy when there's not much joy around makes such a massive difference to the to the families as well. And it, was a, it was a particular um, joy and pleasure to us that, that, that the very first couple we worked with back then, Harry and Margaret O'Donnell, who were just a, a couple in the care home, or Harry was, um, who had reached a point in their relationship where Harry was, Harry was declining and Margaret used to come and visit him every day and had no idea how to engage him, how to mm. get across to him. Mm. And we, uh, we introduced the idea of a playlist to Margaret. She compiled one for Harry. And we did go back in that instance and, and film and catch, catch the, the, the wonderful changes that happened as a result of them being able to sit down together each day and listen together to the music that had mattered to them both. And for Margaret to see um, the light return to, to Harry's eyes, that light of recognition and intelligence actually, and, and, and a little bit of lucidity returned to his, to his speech. Um, it was so wonderful and so precious. Mm-hmm. And Andy and I, um, one day we stood in Harry's bedroom. It was a day when he couldn't get out of bed for, for his, you know, he, he was a little unwell that day. And we, we went to visit and Margaret was sitting by the bed and we just stood and watched them communicate um, and this man, even ill in his bed, was so different from the man that we had met all these months ago. And Andy and I just looked at each other with, I think, tears in our eyes, actually, and just said, if we never achieve anything more than this moment and this couple and this man who has been restored to something like the essence of the person he is, through our ability to introduce the simple concept of, of finding music to, then it is worth it. Yeah, incredible. Is worth Absolutely it. incredible. I mean, you know, as you know, we work a lot in, a, in normal, normal times with the Royal Hospital Chelsea, with the Chelsea pensioners. And a few years ago, Sally and I wandered in there, didn't we, with um, yeah, we did. <laughs> our singers. And, uh, and we were doing some work with them and, and still to this day do. And, and what we were able to do there, because that's, you know, very well supported hospital and they have um, um, volunteer visitors and things. But what we're able to do there was create some of these playlists and put them on the wall so that even if you were a, a, a volunteer visitor just wandering in for once, you would have some idea about what those um, pieces of music meant to people. And, you know, it's just taken on different aspects of it. We did a couple of concerts where we did sort of playlists for life live. <laughs> and, uh, you know, although some of some of my singers singing something for like Queen or something maybe not work as well as some of the operatic harvies. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll see. Because this is also a thing I, I talk about this a lot because you know we're getting to the age of uh, of dementia where you know they always think of old songs and particularly at the moment with the recent uh, VE Day songs about wartime songs. But dementia era is now Elvis and rock and roll and the Beatles and, uh, and whatever. So it, it constantly changes that music that means something to, to any age group. Yeah, you've been saying that for a while, Andy, haven't you? Yeah, well, I, I've got my own mother who I had care for here at, at my house. Um, she uh, surprised me right at the beginning of this by telling me that it was Elvis that was um, the songs that she would have in her playlist. And I, I'd never heard those in the house. It was always my dad on a Sunday walking to the gramophone mm. to put something like Chopin or Tchaikovsky on or some, or, you know, some of the, 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 the musicals like My Fair Ladies. We'd never heard Elvis, but my mum said, well, 
that was because when you went to school and your dad went to work, I walked to the gramophone and, and put on Elvis, you know. And so, so yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right. It's it's not just the the songs from the war. In fact, many of the people who are living now with dementia were were young children that, that during the war, and and so it, it, it is definitely the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what was that? I was watching a video of a, of a lady that we brought with in, in Wales just yesterday, and she was singing "I Remember You" by Frank Ifield. You know, so those are the songs that we've got to think about, and not just reach for the greatest hits. Indeed, indeed. indeed. And it's also, oh, sorry, James. I was just going to say that's also a reason for um, getting that playlist compiled among families before dementia has has yeah. really taken root, because. Yeah. You know the best the best playlist of all is the one that the person themselves is able to contribute to and, and you know will will my kids uh know what i you know used to to listen to you know lying on the the, the carpet of my bedroom when i was yeah. in, you know at 16. um that that will be immensely powerful music now but unless i talk to them about it and we, we do something about it now they won't know you know yeah. And it's a nice thing to do as well, isn't it? It's a fun thing. It doesn't have to be a sort of, a, you know, this is in case when I'm ill or whatever. This is a fun sort of game, particularly at the moment with everyone doing family Zooms and everything. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice quiz night to do. But what I was going to say was one of the very first Inspire, our, our, our outreach works, all called Inspire, whatever we do. And one of the first ones we did was in a, in a day centre um, care home. And um, we sang some Mozart, not me, one of our singers here. And um, and this uh, lady I later found out was in her nineties came up to me and uh, and she said oh it was amazing I haven't heard any live Mozart for twenty years and and she said I thought I was at rock bottom last week when they all started making me sing she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes <laughs> and you know I wanted to escape and and of course you you forget that just because someone is older at that age and that's not necessarily what they were listening to and this woman just was in absolute bits about us singing some live Mozart to her for the first time for so long it really took her back so there's lots of different yeah, imagine imagine all the people who've had Daniel O'Donnell inflicted on them in a case <laughs> <laughs> to their intense pain possibly you know sorry Daniel sorry Daniel <laughs> well yes sorry Daniel absolutely many people will love it of course <laughs> but Sandy you mentioned earlier on about the science and and because that over the last few years the science has not always been as forward as we've because we all see this anecdotally we see it personally but it's not a scientific thing but it's catching up a bit the science isn't it of real proof of the you know we see actual evidence of it with just people for five minutes or whatever at a time but there is more science behind this now isn't it yes yes there is and there, there was just beginning to be at the time when i was when i was looking into it and there has been since then there has been um, a lot more. I don't think I might be wrong. I don't think they have actually done the the kind of double blind trials that that would, you know, absolutely be able to prove um, the the effect. I mean, Andy can maybe tell me here because I know you've you've looked at all this as well, Andy. But but um, there was enough in the early days for us to make a, a little video about the effect of music on on the brain and it, it's it's like a, what was so fascinating to discover was was that all sorts of uh you know neurological processes in the brain uh light it up at various points so you can see 
you can see where language lights up and where doing a, a mathematical mm -hmm. equation lights up and so on. When music uh, comes into play in the brain, it is a fireworks. It is mm -hmm. all over the place. And that's because of what goes into the making of music. Um, all mm -hmm. these different, you know better than me, but you know, it's beat and tempo and rhythm and mm -hmm. accent and uh, words if it's yep. a song. All these are involving different pathways in the brain. And mm. to see what that does in the brain, um, Andy, you've studied this this recently more than I have, but it, it, it's astounding, actually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there hasn't been RCTs done, um, randomised controlled trials done, as far as I'm, I'm aware still, but there have been lots of systematic reviews being done. And I think with the, the whole new concept around social prescribing, mm -hmm. uh, there's a recognition that pharmacological interventions were, were a million miles away from finding a cure for dementia and indeed for some successful treatments for dementia. So the emphasis around social prescribing has, has come around and we're actually part of the, um, the Social Prescribing Academy, which has been set up now, which is recognition, I think, from the science community that music does have an impact and that in fact we might not need the RCTs we, we just need people to say yes of course look at the benefits from many many anecdotal um, evidence that we have mm. and, and so yeah I, I, I think somebody will obviously do a, a randomized control trial and lots of people will do PhD studies but that's going to take six years to get that evidence out there and we're seven years into this charity and and finding that we're finding it quite easy to persuade the science community and the medical community. I was gonna that was gonna be my next question, Andy, actually. How are you know professional care workers and health workers feel about it? Is that normally an easy sell to them? Well we didn't think it would be, did we Sally at the beginning? We 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 thought, you know, gosh, to to crack the doctors is going to be what we need to do. But actually, I think we've found a, a, you know, a very open door from these people who know themselves that there's not many drugs that they can offer. Yeah. But if they can say to a family, have you heard about Playlist for Life? Have you heard about the power of music? Here's yeah. a leaflet. Here's a website. Go and have a go and see what benefits you get from it. So I, I think, yeah, I think we've, we're working at all sorts of different levels with the Royal Colleges of Physicians, of GPs, Royal College of Nursing and so on, who are recognised that this is something that has great potential if yeah. they can get it out there. Yeah, and I think that's always that's always been the challenge and continues to be the challenge. It's the getting it is the getting it out there. As yeah. as as you said earlier, James, you, you know, people grasp it very quickly and as Andy says, even the professionals grasp it very quickly and are and are happy enough to pass it on if they know about it. Our challenge is to make sure enough people know about it and that the, the doctors who are, for instance, overwhelmed with government guidance and all sorts of things they're, they're having to do and having to tell people um, is to, to find ways of making it easy for them to pass this on when somebody is diagnosed with dementia, for instance, to make it just a matter of course mm. that as you send them away, explaining to them that there isn't much by way of medication that can help yeah. but here's something go yeah. off with your family make your playlist this mm -hmm. will be something that can you can take forward with you right through wherever you go whether it's to the whether it's to the dentist whether it's to um you, you know anything that you you find upsetting to do 
have your playlist with you and it will be the the thing that can help to to calm you down and and help to root you in yourself yeah. as you you meet the challenges of dementia going ahead one of the things i thought straight away when you started telling me those years ago now um, and i still always remember is though that also we all struggle at different times even if we're healthy and we're going to see someone who's relatively healthy in hospital of things to say to them there's a sort of you know there's a bit of a block because when you're not just doing it completely naturally if you go to see someone a care home whatever there's sometimes a block of what do i what do we talk about and there's just that nervousness that there would never be if the two of you were just out doing something normal and i think for also the the the, the, the visitor this really helps them because it gives them a focus to to discuss and put some music on and listen to it and and encourage questions. And I think, you know, the, the brilliance about this, or one of the many brilliant things, just opens up for both sides. Um, you know, if it's, a, if it's a much younger person these days, you know, researching where the music is, where you can get an old track or something, you know, the, it goes across the family that so many people can get involved with, with this with this theme, which is such a beautiful idea. And actually Church of Scotland, and not just Church of Scotland, church ministers in, in general are finding this a, a very, helpful um uh, adjunct to their own ministry there's there's one in particular who has has worked with us for many years now and it it changed the whole way that she operated her ministry so mm -hmm. that you know and, uh, ministers spend and vicars and priests they spend a lot of time uh, visiting parishioners and mm -hmm. sitting by bedsides and mm -hmm thinking of things to say and she began to focus all that side of her work on music oh, sometimes nice. it would be it would be singing with the person it would be sitting beside them and finding out what what songs they liked and then the whole communication would be through song yeah and that was a, that's been a really really valuable discovery for her and then she's then she then went on and uh you know set up a playlist for life health help point in her church and and um yeah it's 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 completely transformed the way she the way she oh, operates really fantastic so andy what would you say if someone's listening to this and and think oh, i want to get involved with that what's the best thing to go to go to your website Absolutely, go to playlistforlife.org.uk and have a good search around. Um, and if you've got questions, then get back in touch with us. We we do have, um, and hopefully we'll be able to get back into the help points which we're building locally around the whole of the UK. But in the meantime, um, you know, drop us an email if you've got questions. Um, we can we can certainly put you in touch with the resources that we've got, which are all free. Um, the training, obviously, to to care establishments and so on. And has a cost but but to families and loved ones what we provide is free resource so get in touch with us um and become a music detective and have that fun time around the kitchen it's table a great title that's it andy is the music detective i love that that's a job yeah. i would have wanted at school that yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us about tell us about being the music detective andy well this was just all started when when we started sally i i knew and I'd, I saw the power of music but I didn't quite know how to find that music um, for somebody else you know I, I could sit and make my own playlist but what would I talk how would I talk to a family about what they should do around building a playlist because one of the most terrifying things is that empty sheet of paper where you don't know what to do you don't know what to put on there at the beginning so we've just built some simple tips and hints some of them seem you know uh, I know I know that uh, 
we've got ones like, um, when were you born? So if we know when you were born, we know when there's a thing called the memory bump. So mm -hmm. between the ages of 10 and 30 is when we harvest more memories than at any other time in our lives. And music's very definitely going to be part of that. But mm -hmm. also where you come from and the things that you did in your life will help us to maybe ask the right questions to find that, what that music is. And it's the music detective is really about being nosy <laughs> and, and finding you know, the story of somebody's life, which is often, very often fascinating and, and you know, thrilling to hear what mm -hmm. people did in their lives and how music was part of that you know the first mm. concert they went to the first mm. first kiss what was the music that was playing with that you know the you know i nearly said your first wedding there but, but, you know, <laughs> but you know i mean it's that it's that what was the soundtrack to the life but also crucially what was the story behind that so that we can have a conversation now it's not just about listening to music together it's mm. about Remember when we used to listen to that when we sat outside that cafe bar in Valletta in Malta when we were on holiday? You know, that, that, those kinds of stories that Margaret and Harry really began to teach me about how to become a music detective. We now try and share that with the rest of, of yeah. the community. Absolutely gorgeous in every way. And Sally, obviously, if anyone wants to support the charity, they can, they can give you money, can't they? <laughs> We'd be very delighted. Uh, yes, there's, uh, there's uh, ways on the website in which you can, you can d donate. We'd, we'd, we'd be very, um, very grateful. Obviously, we are in times that are, are going to prove uh, challenging for, for charities. We well understand that there are a lot of calls on, on, on people's um, pockets just now but uh this is this is something in which we um you know anything that you can give especially if you uh you know if you want to say what it's for we you know mm. we want this to 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 help a care home we want this to help a help point we want this to buy an mp3 player for somebody you know every every little bit mm. will go towards uh helping to bring to somebody somewhere the the joy of what music can can bring back to them the connection between them and their loved ones that music can restore great and if you've got a an old um, mp3 or an ipod in your back in the cupboard or something they can get that to you at some point can't they as well Yes, they can. Are we still collecting them, Andy? Well, we are. I mean, that that became a bit of a challenge because we were getting um, some of the technology from the 1980s sent out, to, <laughs> and that doesn't always work nowadays. But but of course, if people have a, an old MP3 player, um, but we, we've got lots of hints and tips on the website again about the basic technology you need. Um, yep. You know, if you're if you're a bit technophobic, then get the grandkids involved. You know, with homeschooling going on just now, what a great project that would be is to build for your grandparent a playlist of their life and the stories around that and it doesn't have to have dementia around it social isolation right now is a big challenge to everybody in the i think country. absolutely right i mean we were doing a we were doing some tea parties for um uh age uk our local age uk last week and there was 30 people uh, socially isolated in their own home single people and, and our singers were singing to them on a on a zoom it was just gorgeous seeing yeah, the uh, so it's all very important but um as i said to you before we started i want to say on here um i couldn't be more proud that we were connected with you and we continue be, to be connected with you it's an amazing charity and an amazing effort from both of you and all the team that you have in different ways and it's just a 
I'm, I'm really proud that I and the company are connected with you both. And let us take this opportunity to thank you for everything that you and, and Dr. Holland Park have meant to us uh, over the years. Your, your support, your, your faith in us um, has, has just been the most extraordinary boost all along. And you've been, you know, faithful from the beginning right up till now. And that means such a lot. Well, thank you very much. Well, have a great rest of the day. And uh, it's been gorgeous speaking to you both. And when, when lockdown's finished, we must get together. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, with a bottle of wine. With a bottle of wine. Absolutely. Nice to see you both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You have been listening to From the Producer's Office, a series of informal podcasts with James Clutton. For more information on Opera Holland Park, please visit www.operahollandpark.com.